in the 27th verse. Peter 14, 27. Now Jesus is speaking and this is what he says. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. The sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I'll go ahead of you unto Galilee. And Peter declares, he's, he's starting to confess, all right? Even if all fail, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today. Hey, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crow, crow, crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So we are talking about a confession. We are talking about a confession from a man who's walked with his master for three years. We're talking about a confession which literally comes right out of his heart. I, I don't doubt Peter. I don't doubt Peter. The only thing I have to doubt is his emotions. Because I'm the person and you're the people that can not only hear him talking now, but we travel with him. And then we look back. And we see a complete picture. You don't usually see that. You get to know a person and you know what you know about them for the time that you know them. And then that person uh, disappears, not into oblivion, but at least out of our sight and out of our connection. And because he's out of our sight and out of our connection, we don't, we don't know what else happened. Now this is very important. When we go to the scripture, we can see the front and the back. So we have a way... Uh, of, of looking at scripture and, and not and, and it, it almost takes something away from it because when you hear the scripture say that David is a man after God's own heart and then we get to know that he killed a man or at least worked hard at getting him killed and we find out that he takes somebody else's wife when he could have had any woman in the town in the world in his world the only restriction was that she could not belong to someone else and then that's the one he wants. So when we read here, a man after mine own heart, and we see what goes on, we kind of want to come back and say to God, you made a mistake. He wasn't as pure as you thought he was. Folks, I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your minds away, and I don't care. God takes you for who you are at the moment that you are who you are. Okay? You say, well, he knows I'm going to fall. But because he knows you're going to fall, he does not work you into a fall. He'll walk with you and he'll try to stop you at every turn and at every curve. He knows the ultimate. But he's there so that you can make your turn. You see, with him there's no destiny. There's just choice. So he'll walk with you and he'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, when the moment of choice comes and you make the choice, he would have helped you out of it. But you got ahead of him. Are you understanding what I mean? It's the same thing with people say predestination. Oh, what a big word. It's not a big word. It simply means that God knows everything. 
And he can preordain and he can do anything he wants. But what he wants to do does not interfere with your will or my will. You say, oh, but he could force his will on it, but he never will. Because you see, that's the gift he gave you. And God doesn't tamper with gifts. They're without recall. Isn't that unbelievable about God? You know, that's when I see the restraint of God. That's when I see the character of God. Because we believe in being good parents because we can beat our kids into being good. God lets you go and says you choose. Whether you want to be good or you don't. You don't want to be good? You ain't fooling him. You ain't fooling him. He knows your ins, he knows your outs, he knows where you're at, he knows what you're doing. He knows what's going on inside your little head. He knows all the failures and falls that you're planning on and maybe enjoying the fact that it's going to happen. And he stands and he says, I love you. I died for you. I shed my blood for you. He says, choose me. And we go, ha, 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 God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. I spoke to a young man this week and I had such a beautiful conversation. And he shared with me what hard time he's having with his old friends. They don't respect his Christianity. They don't respect his walk with God. Don't respect his wife. And they to them it's just like old times. Come on, have a drink. Won't kill you. So instead of seven, we just have one together. But we're old friends. And after his friends had two or three drinks, it's easy to dance with his wife and hold her so close that it's abominable for a husband to look at. Oh, sister, it's just dancing. You know what that is. Yeah, I do know what that is. I do know what that is. That's why I love dance as an exercise. And not like foreplay for a sex act. We've got to be careful with that because that's the reality of it. There's nothing in the world with, wrong with dancing. Dance is an expression of the body. Dance is the exercise of the body. Dance are movements and, 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 and expressions which, uh, which can glorify God. But soon as the expression turns into a gyration which is meant to provoke somebody else, hey, God steps out of that manifestation. You say, oh, but it's still the body. You better believe it's the body. And all the body can provoke and do. I'm not a legalist. You know that. But I sure do believe in keeping holiness. And holiness isn't discipline. Don't ever think that. <gasps> I don't go because I serve God. Mm. No, don't go because you serve God. Don't go because you love him. And in that love, there are no restrictions, if you know what I mean. When you love somebody, you do it for them. And it's so good, because the reward is in the connection. And with us, it's in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got to be careful, folks. We've got to be very careful. Because always when we think of God, we figure he knows. Yeah, he does know. But the choice is yours. And God's going to hold you back all he can. Now let me tell you something. The day you resist all of God's wooing, the day you resist that, and he lets you go, remember what the word says. It's unto your deprivation. 
it's unto your deprivation. Then there's nothing. There's nothing that can hold you back. Well, Peter's the man of confessions. And Jesus is getting very close to his death. They've shared some good times together, some beautiful times. And now Jesus is getting kind of kind of heavy. They've had the Lord's Supper and he keeps saying it's his body and he keeps saying it's his blood and he keeps saying do this in remembrance of me and he keeps telling them it's a new pact, it's a new covenant and they, they don't fully understand all of this. Don't, don't think for a minute they understood. They don't. They really, really don't. It's, it's, it's fuzzy, it's hazy, it's not clear. You see, the one that clarifies all of God's truth is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come till 50 days after the resurrection. So just think. Think very carefully. Think very carefully of how these disciples are going through these tremendous motions of hearing so much. You know, they're, they're impacted with so much information, with so much truth. But they don't know what to do with it. They didn't stand there saying, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it. They looked at each other and said, I don't know what he's talking about. Do you know what he's talking about? No, but don't bother him. Leave him alone. You know, they, matter of fact, there were times that they humid the master. Huh? Then they looked at each other and said, did you understand? No. Did you understand? No. Jesus is saying, now, this is what's going to happen. And it was going to happen that very night. That's how, that's how close it was running. That very night it was going to happen. He says, they will strike the shepherd. And Judas is already down uh, with the Jewish God. He's already passing uh, the, 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 the fall, the little waterfall of Kidron, which is almost like a highway that you go from the city up into the Mount of Olives. And, and, and th- th- these people are on their way and Jesus is talking to his disciples. They've finished their supper. They're walking away. He says, I, they will strike the shepherd. He, he knows what's coming. And the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, you see, and this they didn't even hear. After I have risen, go ahead. I, go, I, go, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Then Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. This is a declaration. Here we go. The man of the confessions. I will not. And then Jesus says, yes, today. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Forget today. Tonight. Tonight. Before the, what is it? Before the rooster crows twice, you'll have disowned me three times. And then Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you. Don't you understand what I'm here for? Don't you understand my mission? I am your protector. Isn't that interesting? I am the one that will protect you. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And I like the other 11. Well, really 10. Hey, us too. Me too. Yeah, we'll do the same. You never see their faces after this. But they're promising the same as Peter. Now, I, I, don't, want to, I, don't, want to, I don't want to knock him down too hard. 
But I do want to share this with you. When you read the 31st verse, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. In other words, Peter is the vocal man. Peter is the voice of the crowd. Peter is the leader, practically, of the disciples at this given time. And this is his confession. Now, what are confessions? Most of the time, confessions are declarations of inner convictions. So I have to tell you that heartfelt, for what shall we say, uh, from, from his heart, you know, uh, from his emotions, he was telling the truth. I don't think for one moment that Peter was lying. I really don't. But I will tell you what he was doing. He was trusting in himself. He was trusting in his strength. He was trusting in his ability. He was trusting in what he could manipulate, maneuver, and bring to pass. And I know that he was a good fisherman. And I know that he did his job well. And I know that he figured if I have to protect this man, I will. I'm his bouncer. Whatever. And whether he knows it or not, I'm taking care of him. Now this is his confession. This is his confession. That's why we read today in, in the book of uh, Proverbs. And I read you Proverbs 3. That's how we opened our worship service today. Because Proverbs 3 says a few things. And that's why Peter could have learned from this. Because it was part of what they called the word for them. It was part of their scripture. And listen to what God says. And he says it's so beautiful. Trust in the Lord, verse 5, 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, Peter was trusting in who? Exactly. Peter was trusting in himself. I will take care of you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then here comes something interesting. Lean not on your own understanding. <laughs> Jesus has said, I'm going to be stricken. Now that, that is foreknowledge. That is prophetic. That is his ministry. That is what he came to do and to be. And that was what would happen to him. Lean not on your own understanding. Peter counted totally on his own understanding. And you know, folks, this is what we've got to be careful in life. Sometimes we go to school and we get a good education. And I thoroughly believe in education. I want the children to get it. This church backs up our children. We try the best to those that need it, give scholarships of some kind. It's minimal. It's not, it's not big, but we try. When I worked in my dad's church, we had music scholarships, and two of our young men studied at Carnegie Hall. This has always been a consciousness on my heart and on my life. And this is part of the work of the church. That's why we work so hard with children. That's why our goal is children. That they might develop into the best human beings earth could have. Through the grace of God and through, that, through the help of a good church. So we have here, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. No matter what we learn, no matter how much book knowledge we get, no matter how much psychology we learn, my last academic preparation was for pastoral counseling and to be certified in that work for my prison chaplaincy. And I thank the Lord for that, for that experience. I thank the Lord for two years of good hard work. And what did it do for me? It did a lot for me. 
It gave me labels. It gave me handles to things that I knew intuitively. Things that I could spell out and I could see uh, because of my time of handling and dealing with people. But no, this preparation gave me a name for it. I found out what regression was. I found out what transference was. I found out, I found out what a lot of things were. Things that I knew were happening, but I had no labels to them. So education's good, folks. Education is very good. It prepares us for whatever we're going to do. But lean not on your own understanding. When it comes to life, you've got to trust and you've got to lean on the power of God. And you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt because of what you know God can do in and through them. Have you met someone you think is almost hopeless? Have you met someone that you can kind of move in through their manipulations uh, and you can kind of understand how they've gotten away with so much so long? You can kind of touch the surface of their way of dealing with people. But that's okay. Because you see, we were all there. We were all there. So it's not that we've got such tremendous insight. It's not that we're so strong. It's not that we're so knowledgeable. It's because, hey folks, we've done it. And there's nothing worse than knowing what somebody's going to do because you did it. Okay, it's sort of a kind of a confirmation. The scripture says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That's why sometimes when you get the urge to tell somebody off, hold steady. Hold steady. Don't be too quick. Don't push it. First of all, I've got to tell you something. Nobody's waiting for them to be told off. Nobody sits there anxiously saying, now. Just doesn't happen. And if you don't think it's God's time... Now I'll tell you what Jesus says. Don't give the pearls to the swine. (gasps) Oh, sister, you're calling me a pig? No. But if someone's not ready for what you've got to give them, don't give it. And the only one that can tell you if they're ready is the Holy Spirit. Because there are people that could be, you could do a lot better with them with just prayer and caring for them than, than trying to, you know, bring down God's wrath on them. You know who can bring down the wrath? The Holy Spirit. If you've ever been scared by the Holy Spirit, he does a good job. Oh, Sister Amy, the Holy Spirit don't scare you. Yes, he did. He scared me a lot. When I say scared, I simply mean bringing to light, bringing to light the the great truth and the manifestation of my folly. When all of a sudden, you know, this little thing that I've planned, uh, the Holy Spirit pulls up the curtain and behind that curtain stands an immense ego waiting to explode. But the curtain that hid it was a curtain that said, I have something nice for you. Oh, God help us. He will, won't he? Say amen. Amen. Sure he will. Lead, lean not on your own understanding. And then it goes on. And I like what it says. It says it's so beautiful. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's why I love people that are always praying. When I say always praying, have you ever said to somebody, what would you say? And they go, oh, I was, just, uh, <clears throat> I, was just, I was just thinking out loud. No, they were praying. They were praying. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And guess what? The scripture says, he will make your path straight. 
there's a prayer that's this short. In Spanish, it's just two words. Ayúdame, Señor. In English, it's three. Help me, Lord. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. Help me, Lord. Please help me. And guess what? He will. Then it goes on and it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Can I tell you what one of the greatest, greatest, greatest moments of discipline is in life? It's having the answer and wanting to give it and nobody wants it. You know what old people say? Now that we've got the answers, no one asks us the questions. But there are also times when you're not so old and you've got, you, you know the solution that's going to change this life. Yet they don't want to know the solution. So you know what the wise thing to do is? Be still. It's hard. It's hard. I've been to places and I've sat in discussions and I've been at round tables and I've sat on, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, Dioceses where, you know, the question comes forward and I know I've got the answer. I know it. If no one else does, I know I have. But nobody wants my answer. And that's the time I've got to look above and say, Lord, what, what happens here? And I can hear that still small voice say, just be still. I'll tell you when to talk. And I'll tell you what to say. And the most beautiful experience in that, exper in that way is when somebody looks at you and says, hey, I think you could shed some light on this. Would you stand up and help us? I told you the experience I had in chaplaincy. I was a chaplain for 10 years. I never spoke in a chaplaincy meeting for five years. Well, 58 chaplains and one chaplain lady, who wants to talk? I really mean that. And it took uh, the first five years to, to almost gain credibility. And with some of the priests, I don't think I ever did gain credibility. With some, I did. And then there came a situation which had to do with family, which had to do with certain reforms in the prison system to set up some kinds of homes and, and some kinds of, uh, what shall we say, places where families could get together. I was very much involved in the original plans. And I was thrilled that day when they said, well, we've got a lady chaplain among us. She probably could tell us a little bit more about family. And I got up and I shared. And from that day on, there wasn't anything done that my opinion wasn't asked for to the point that I then sat on the board of chaplains and no chaplain was approved without my approval. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a humiliating experience. You say humiliating? What do you mean humiliating? Yeah. Think of the five years of silence. Think of the times they say, we don't even know what she's doing here. Think of the times that they say she's in because of political power. She knows so-and-so and she knows so-and-so. I had this celebration in my heart that the only one I knew was God. And in due time, he'd see me through. And I thank the Lord for that. 
Don't be wise in your own eyes. There's another word for that in the Bible. It's called pride. And pride cometh before the fall. So sometimes you've got the answers, but listen, no one's looking for them. Hold on. Hold on. Wisdom is the knowledge of what... Wisdom is the correct order of the application of knowledge. Have you ever met people that appear at Jesus and you have a hold a conversation with them and you wonder who gave it to them? Macy's, Bloomingdale's, or Kmart? Why? Because there is a human ability to go through books and swallow them up. There is a human ability to take test, test, and hey, make the grade. There is a human ability to be able to do anything with a written page. But when it comes to the exercising of that knowledge, there is none, so there's no wisdom. So there are brains walking around like leaves of paper, but they're not offering anything to anyone except what's on page 153, chapter 4, and paragraph 2. Hey, acknowledge him. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And then it goes on and it says, listen to what it says, and I love it. Fear the Lord. Oh, you say, Sister Amy, I fear the Lord. The next, shun evil. I didn't finish the story. I've got to finish that story. I've got to go back to the young man with his friends and being intimidated by them. Because sometimes I just jump, and I did that time. We sat and we talked for a half hour, maybe a little more than that. Finally, I looked up at him. I said, what do you think is the solution? He said, I don't think I should hang out with them anymore. And I said, oh, I'm so glad you said it. See, I could have told them. But the important thing was that he, he came to the conclusion, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. And then he looked at me and says, you know, I don't get anything from them. Half the time they don't have money because now I have money because I'm not drugging. So I'm the one that's paying. They don't listen to me, so I'm the one that's doing everything. Hey, it's, it's, it's terrible, so I'm the one that... I said, so what do you think? He says, I'm going to cut loose. Isn't it marvelous? Didn't, I never said a word. That's what's good about counseling. If you listen long enough, your counselee will have the solution. You just got to listen. Just got to listen. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now let me talk about some consequences. Listen to what happens when you do this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring you health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I like that. In other words, there's a physical aspect to loving God. Health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And what else does it say? Honor the Lord with your wealth. I like that. I like that. That's part of the wisdom of life. Honor God with your wealth. Some people are very worried about that. I'll go to church, but don't let them talk about money. Well, you ain't going to find a church on the face of the earth that doesn't talk about money. And if they're that rich that they don't need money, they don't even need you either. I'm going to tell you the truth. I know what I'm talking about. Listen carefully and listen soundly. The scripture tells us, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Why? Because there's something's going to happen. What is that? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Hallelujah. And that's that scripture. I want to go back to Peter now for just a minute and kind of bring this together. What's wrong with Peter's confession? Well, it's him. 
It's his emotions. It's his feelings. It's his mentality. Now, I want to take you with me to another confession that wasn't his. Well, who do the people say I am? The Lord said. And Peter says, well, some people say you're, you're, you're Jeremiah. Other people say you're Elijah. Other people say you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. And then Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter looks over and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That was his greatest confession. And when we talk about the confession of Peter, that's the confession we mean. Not, not the other nonsense. That's the one that counts. But let me tell you why the confession was so pure, so perfect, so marvelous, so wonderful. Jesus says, neither flesh nor blood has revealed it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's when a confession is a confession. When it's not a part of flesh and blood, it's not a part of research. It's not a part of church hopping and church thinking uh, and doctrine studying. Uh, no, no. When the revelation comes from the Holy Spirit, uh, it impacts your life. Uh, and you come to the tremendous conclusion, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mm. That's important. And it's important because, let me tell you something, Peter goes right back to being Peter. Because that's where Jesus starts to tell him, I'm going to die. And Peter says, I'm not going to let it happen to you. And then Jesus says to Peter, Satan, get thee behind me. I mean, how can you have such a glorious revelation? How can God come into your soul? Then all of a sudden you're back to you. Well, that's the way it is. <laughs> that's It is. That's why walking with God is an everyday situation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know how he denied Jesus. He cursed. I like the way some people, I, I like the way some people fix it up. Well, he didn't really curse because he had been with the master and he was a disciple. He just got a little angry. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe he cursed. Fisherman's cursing. You know what I mean. If you want to hear fisherman's uh, cursing, go down, go down, go down to the, 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 the Fulton's fish market. You'll hear fisherman's cursing. Matter of fact, if you hear a legible word in between. Yeah, that's the way he said it. That's the way he said it. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then somewhere in the corner, go, 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 go. And he did it twice. And all of a sudden it came together. That was revelation. I said I wouldn't. I did. He said I would. Oh my God. He knew this moment was upon me. He knew it. He had told him. Jesus says to Peter, you know what, Peter? The devil's picked you out. Among all the twelve, he likes you the best. And he said, if I'd give you over to him, he'd pulverize you. But he says, Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. And you know what? It's going to go like this. But when you come out of it, when you come out of 
Strengthen your brethren. Hallelujah. I want you to see him. I want you to see him in his very last confession. (laughs) They're having breakfast on the beach. And Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Master, I love you. (laughs) And Jesus says, we'll take care of the lambs. And Jesus says, uh, Peter, do you love me? Some people said it has to do with he denied him three times. Well, then he wants a three-time confession. Uh, I don't know if that's it. But anyway, do you love me? And Peter says, Master, I I love you. Okay, well, then take care of my sheep. Then comes the third time. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, "Uh uh-oh. I'm setting myself up for a fall again. This man knows much more than I'll ever know. Do I love him? Do I love him? Oh, God, only he can know if I love him or I don't. So he says, Master, you know if I love you. He wasn't leaning on himself. He wasn't leaning on his ability or his emotion. He was leaning on the fact that he knew he loved the Lord. And the only one that would know what was really in his heart is the one that has always known what's in his heart. And he says, Master, you know if I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then he went on and he dug him a little deeper. He says, when you, want, when you were young, you did as you pleased. But the days are going to come when they're going to tie you up. And it'll be done with you what you don't want to be done. And this he told him how he would glorify God with his death. And the only words Jesus had for him, follow me, follow me. Peter's the man of confessions. The only good, solid, perfect confession he gave was revealed by God. His last confession was a revelation that he couldn't count on himself, but he could count on God. You know. You know it all. And you will help me be who I have to be. Oh, folks, as Christians, we must confess. And I hope that we can confess to his love. Confess Christ as your Savior. Confess him as your Lord and Master. You say, Sister Amy, but uh, suppose I'm like Peter. Suppose I confess emotionally. Well, your confession will be like your Christian life, a process. You may start off emotionally, but you'll end up confirming your soul in God. Just keep saying it. Just keep coming to him. Just keep loving him. Jesus, I love you. I need you. And I can't live without you.